Fantastic singing. Give yourselves a round of applause. Oh, you're afraid to do it. <laughs> hey, great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Andy. I'm the counseling pastor here. Um, if you're new with us this morning, uh, this is your first time, we want to encourage you to uh, come to the Welcome Center out in the foyer, out in the lobby, and uh, fill out a visitor card, um, and uh, we'll have a gift for you. We just want to stay in touch with you and have a conversation with you. Um, just working through top announcements for the week. Uh, first thing, Values Night. Tonight at 5.30 p.m. at Pastor Josh's house. If you're new to Living Waters or you're just wanting to get more plugged into a church, please come to the Values Night. There will be great food, a great time of connection, chance to learn a little bit more about our church. And you can register at the church center uh, at the Welcome Center, excuse me, or use the Church Center app. You'll find that most things we do around here, um, as far as registration, center around the Church Center app. So we want you all to get the Church, church Center app. Yeah. Second thing, Men's Soup and Movie Night. That's going to be February 25th at 6.30 p.m. here at the church. The Soup and Movie Night, uh, it's going to be contests, prizes, testimonies. Uh, a movie, a uh, great fellowship, you can sign up at the uh, at the Welcome Center or also use the Church Center app. The cost is $5 or it's free if you bring uh, a soup. Easter Choir. We had a great Easter Choir last year, and it's time to start practice for the Easter Choir. Um, if you're a member of Living Waters Fellowship, and you'd like to be a part of the Easter Choir, you can sign up at the Welcome Center out in the lobby or utilize the Church Center, Church Center app. app. Isn't that great? Uh, last thing, uh, we don't pass a plate here. We, um, we encourage people to be cheerful givers um, and to be generous. You can give online through our Church Center app. It'll lead you how to do that or if you want, you can utilize the offering boxes located in the back of the sanctuary. Also, just as a special note, if you'd like to give to the new building fund, um, please remember to designate on your check or envelope um, your gift for the new building fund and just be specific about it that way. Let's go ahead and stand up. We'll pray, and then we'll take a few minutes to greet one another. Hopefully you got a name tag so somebody can, I don't want to say call you names, but call you by your name. All right, let's pray. Father God, you're good. You're so good to us to bring us here out of all the places we could be, God. This is where you've directed our path. And people are here because they have needs. And we need to, we need, God, to give you thanks and praise for who you are and your work in our life. We're expecting amazing things to happen with your word because your spirit works through your word and touches our hearts. We're asking that you would do that this morning, asking that you do that in our greeting time, asking that you do that in our singing and praises to you because you are completely worthy. Thanks, God, for the morning already. Thanks for the time ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we're ready.
Brandon will bring us back after the greeting time. Greet one another. I'm glad we had a, a great time of fellowship with one another, but let's go ahead and let's find our seats and let's continue our time of worship. We're going to sing a new song this morning. It's called Center My Life. It's a great song. We're talking about God's truth of how he is no one more beautiful than Jesus. There's no more powerful, the risen Christ lifted high. Jesus now be glorified. So may this be our prayer this morning. May we lift his name in song this morning. If you know the words, sing along. If not, just meditate along the, on the truths with us, okay? And it's okay to dance and to move, okay? God says we can do that. Sound. 
Now be close. 
Amen. Stay standing, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Awesome singing, by the way. Praise the Lord. This is Luke chapter 9, and we're reading verses 23 through 27 this morning. So in verse 23, Jesus says this, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Praise God for the reading and hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, awesome. You are holy, great and mighty. The moon and the stars declare to us your greatness. General creation screams at us that you are a creator God that loves us very much. So Lord, we give you glory this morning. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, these might be some of the hardest and most amazing words that Jesus ever said. And God, as we're on the road to Easter, and we look at your life and your ministry, Jesus, we recognize this passage of Scripture with humility and reverence. Lord, some of these things are hard to hear. Impossible even, according to man's standards, but according to you and your grace, all things are possible. So Lord, I think of our hearts, and I pray that you would give us hearts to listen, to be open, to listen to what your truth is saying. Father, I think of all the heavies that are represented in a crowd like this, Lord, and there's physical ailments and there's spiritual challenges, and God, there's so many things happening, and yet... God, even a few minutes ago, I heard of a, a beautiful story of, of a man in our neighborhood who is seeking Jesus for the first time. How cool. How amazing. Lord, you're, you're at work. You're saving people. You're bringing them to a confrontation moment with Jesus. And I pray that you would do that even right now. Encourage the hearts of Christians. Save those who don't know you. Thank you for all your good work here in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome, welcome. My name is Pastor Josh, preaching pastor here at Living Waters. and so thankful that you are able to join us this morning for church. Uh, we are in Luke chapter 9, and our sermon series is called The Road to Easter. So we're taking a look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, and we're walking step by step through his ministry that ultimately led him to the cross and ultimately led to his resurrection from the dead, which we will be celebrating in a few short weeks with Good Friday service and Easter services. And so my sermon title this morning is The Cost of Discipleship. The Cost of Discipleship. And um, could we get the lights real quick? There we go. There we go. Let's see your faces. You guys were all looking the same to me, like in the dark. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who that is, but now I can see you. Okay, you look very beautiful. You're all dressed up for church. Good to have you here this morning. So the cost of discipleship is my sermon title. And thousands of people 
are flocking to Asbury College in Kentucky. Have you guys heard of this story yet? Yeah. So there is a revival of sorts. There's a movement of God breaking out in Kentucky, and it has been a growing news item um, across the United States these last couple weeks. After a chapel service on February 8th, here's what you need to know. There was a sermon preached, and there was a handful of students of Asbury University that felt conviction from God uh, to come forward after the service to the front of the stage to repent of sin and confess sin and pray together. And that was a really cool thing. And then some of the students that had left the chapel um, felt led by God to come back to the chapel, and they joined these few handful of students, and then there was 20 students, and then 30 students. And then all of a sudden, like, a lot of the campus started coming back to the chapel to pray and repent of sins and worship God and, pray, and, uh, and begin to encourage one another towards Christ. Since February 8th, so that's a week and a half now, this thing has not stopped. And all God's people said, amen, right? Okay, drawing in continuous crowds, the crowds have grown from dozens and dozens to hundreds and hundreds. To now thousands of thousands, thousands of people are coming to Kentucky, of all places. And all God's people said, I don't know, yeah, I guess. And they're going to Asbury College, and some of the biggest names in evangelical Christianity have gone to visit in this last week and write about it in their blog, boo, hiss, right? I'm not impressed. But how should we think about this? Should we mimic the same things that are going on in Kentucky? Should we say no one leaves the church this morning until, right, we have a few and then 30 and then 100? Like, do we just copycat what we're seeing in Kentucky? Because this revival or this movement of God has moved around to other campuses and praise the Lord that Gen Z is experiencing this. Hallelujah, right? This is good. This is a good thing. Now, also, the boo birds have come out to critique because it's God's gift. God has gifted them to critique the movement, right? Nobody's invited them to critique the movement, but they've, chose, they've taken it upon themselves, praise the Lord, to critique the movement of God. And so they have written many things. There's a lot of criticisms as well going out of it. How are we supposed to think about it in Des Moines, Iowa? I mean, we're a, a lifetime away from Kentucky. What do we do? We're a local church in a certain context. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to think? I want to give you a few principles of how to think through what's going on at Asbury, okay? And then we'll launch into the sermon. First of all, we should rejoice in whatever is going on at Asbury. We should rejoice. Praise the Lord. Why would I say that? Here's why I would say that. Because our culture is so pagan and so secular that any stirring of God anywhere we should praise the Lord for. So I don't care if you are a critic or a fan or whatever, we should praise the Lord. Because this is causing people to think about Jesus Christ potentially for the first time in their life. That's awesome. And Jesus said it himself in Luke chapter 9, later on in the chapter that we're going to study this morning, the apostle John came up to Jesus and said, Master, there is a guy casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he doesn't follow us. You know what I'm saying? Like you can feel the 
spindly like spider. Like this is really sharp. And Jesus said to John, don't stop him. For the one who is not against you is for you. Have you ever read that before? He's not against us. Hey, he's for us. Don't worry about it. All right. We'll, we'll work it out in the laundry. It's fine. So we should praise God. Secondly, we should test the spirits, a.k.a. be wise. We should be wise about this. Okay. Here's the passage of scripture that comes to my mind. 1 John 4, 1 and 2. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, but as you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So here's what I'm telling you. Be wise in how you think about it. Is everything going on in Asbury and Kentucky and all that, is it all from God? No, that's ridiculous. Don't think that. Like, there is realities that we should deal with there. Like, not everything that glitters is gold. But we shouldn't also take the other side of that and swing the pendulum. It's like, nothing of that is of God. Oh, my goodness. Chill out. Clearly, some of that is from God. Clearly, Christ is being exalted. And you know what? There's spiritual warfare that surrounds that. So we should test the spirits. Let's see what comes. Time will tell, right? Time will tell. Thirdly. We should pray as a church that the people at Asbury University are counting the cost of discipleship. We should pray that they are counting the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. Because no matter how emotional or powerful the experience that they are experiencing is, you know what? At the end of the day, they're going to have to count the cost at some point. And say, is all the emotional experience that I'm experiencing, is that really going to equal out to me surrendering my life to Jesus Christ and being a disciple? On Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, week after week and year after year. Amen? Those of you who have been Christians for a while, you know what I'm talking about. You can have a wonderful emotional experience. You can cry and you can have all of these things happen to you, you know what? you got to apply it on Wednesday afternoon. Because Jesus calls us to more than emotional experience. He calls us to be disciples, followers. And that is costly. And that's where we're going this morning. Um, I want to encourage you, like Jesus always encouraged people to count the cost. Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30 he said, count the cost if you're going to follow me. And that's where we find ourselves this morning in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. Like Asbury, if not more so than Kentucky, lots of people in Luke 9 are interested in Jesus. Lots of people are coming to him. They like how he talks. They like his miracles. They like his personality. They're thinking, hey, I think I could follow this guy. And Jesus is seeing the crowds come to him. And he says, oh, and if you're going to come after me, let's just have a little heart check moment, right? Verse 23. I want to tell you something before we go too far in the relationship. You better count the cost of what it means to follow me. Because the crowd is definitely attracted to Jesus like a magnet. They are coming to Christ like a magnet. And he is... What are they saying? They're saying, well, this guy heals everybody. Who doesn't want free health care? Can I get an amen? 
free health care. This is great. This guy feeds everybody. I mean, the feeding of the 5,000, he multiplies fish and bread, and he does all that, and it's better than Chick-fil-A. Amen? This guy is outstanding, and he's going to give us real victories over our enemies. The Russians, or I'm sorry, the Russians. <laughs> Don't worry, the government will suppress that video. It's fine. When it goes on YouTube, it'll never be there, right? So, the Russians. The Ro I had a really good thing to say, too, you guys. It's really good. I was going to say, the Romans are flying balloons into Israel, and they're getting shot down. Jesus was going to give real victories, right? He was going to give real victories, and everybody's following him. Now, Jesus is going to stop all of that. All the momentum, all the excitement, all the laughter. And he's going to say some really serious things. And he's going to say things like that are costly, like will cost you your life. Nobody demands more of the world than Jesus. And Jesus demands that you follow him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you might think this morning, well, that's a high cost. Yeah, it's a high cost for a reason. Because what we're talking about here is not just the American dream. We're talking about eternity. This is serious. Your soul is on the line. For when? From now until eternity. And Jesus, is, he loves you enough to tell you what it's going to cost. So. Following Jesus is very costly. That's the big idea. Following Jesus is very costly. But in that cost, Jesus powerfully provides all the things that he asks you to give up. He provides joy. He provides all the things that he asks you to do. So he's going to command you really big things, but he's also going to provide the things that you need to do the thing to follow him. Jesus is awesome that way, isn't he? Amen. He's so good. He doesn't just command us stuff and be like, well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out. Right? No, he's compassionate. He gives you what you need when you need it to keep following down the path of discipleship. Now, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, some of you know him. He was a pastor and a leader, a theologian, German. He was hung in 1945 by the Nazis. So he was martyred for his faith. He called out Hitler for his fake Christianity. And he stood with the gospel. He stood with Jesus. And he got himself hung for it. Before he was hung by the Nazis, he wrote a book called Cost of Discipleship, where he addresses this very reality that to follow Jesus will be costly. And this is what he said. This sounds really cryptic, but this is one of the most important quotes of the book. He says, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's kind of discouraging, isn't it? Like that doesn't give you the warm fuzzies. It doesn't make you feel great. Because when Jesus calls somebody, he calls them straight up. And, and we are called to die. That is very true. In fact, it reminds me of the gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 16. You remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, you know? Thomas is always swinging the pendulum as the follower of Christ. That's him. 
So before he doubts Jesus' resurrection, when Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die on a cross, Thomas looks at everybody and he says, hey guys, let's go to Jerusalem so that we may die with him. That's the end of the sentence. Like, ooh, kind of cryptic, dude. Got any hope in your life? You need a, you know, you need a pop or something? You need a coffee? Like, what's wrong with you, Thomas? But here's what Bonhoeffer's quote is. That's true. When he calls a man, he calls him to come and die. But the reality of the grace of God is that Jesus provides much more than you've ever dreamt possible when you die to self. Like, you'll give up your life to follow Christ. That is true. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, to follow Jesus will be costly, but he will pay you back more than you have ever dreamt. Amen? And he will make your life filled with joy as he does it. So that's encouraging. Discipleship, then, is a supernatural call to do what you could never do on your own, fueled by the mighty grace of God. Discipleship is a call to do what you could never do on your own, fueled by the mighty grace of God. So let's answer a couple questions in the passage this morning. What is the cost of following Jesus? Some of you need to get that question really clear in your mind. What is the cost of following Jesus Christ? Are we talking pray a prayer, make a decision, fill out a card? Are we talking something more than that? Some of you need to have this question answered. What are the reasons that Jesus gives me to motivate me to live this surrendered life? Like, what is he going to provide for me that will encourage me to keep going when I want to quit? How many of you want to quit right now? Probably more than you that want to admit. You want to quit what you're doing. You want to quit the thing that God's called you to do. And you're like, dude, you're calling me to die to self even more than I already am? Yes, he's calling you to do that. How am I supposed to do that? Well, we're going to see one call to discipleship and then two reasons why Jesus, you, you can trust him to provide what you need to do this sacrificial living. So first, the call to discipleship. Verse 23, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus lays out the clear call to discipleship here in verse 23. First of all, Jesus asks for people, or he commands people, to deny themselves which means to disassociate any connection with something. So if you're denying something, right, you're like an NFL running back giving a stiff arm, right? Boom, you are given the stiff arm. You're denying, you're disassociating yourself with what? The old self. Jesus is saying you have to deny your old self. If you're going to follow me, you got to say goodbye to your old life and say hello to the new life in Christ. Denying self is saying no to its flesh and its desires. Do you have desires? Yes, you do. You are a factory of desires. Your soul is a factory of wants, needs, and desires, and they're very strong. Give me that donut. Can I get amen? Mm, I want that. Give me that car. Give me that house. Give me that thing. Give me this family. Give me this thing. I want this really bad. 
We have these desires inside of us that are natural and they are sinful. And when they get out of hand, they will ruin our lives. And to follow Christ means we say no to those things. Daily, we say no. Denying self is saying no to your selfish impulses for comfort and security. To deny self means that we have to say no to comfort and security. Is comfort and security a problem in America? It's how we live our lives. What's the most comfortable situation? What's the most secure thing that I can do? I'll make that decision. Jesus says, no, you have to say no to that. If you're going to be a follower of me, you have to say no to your sinful impulses. It's not that comfort and security are bad in and of themselves. It's what we do with the impulses of our comfort and security. We take it to a way bad position. Denying self is saying no to the illusion of control. You are not in control of your life. Can I get a witness? You just think you're in control. The illusion of control. I was like, oh, that's really good. The illusion of control. That's how you operate and I operate. And we have to say no to that illusion of control. Just yesterday, I was having coffee with Mark Black and he brought this up in discipleship group. He said, you know, the illusion of control, I'm working on giving that up for Jesus. And I'm like, oh man, that's, that's a really good phrase. I, can I use that in the sermon? He's like, well, I guess so. You preached it like four months ago. <laughs> I preached, I totally forgot I said that. That's brilliant. I said something brilliant four months ago. And I'm like, so, so that is a quote from Mark Black, who's quoting Josh Daggett, and I'm bringing it to you this morning. Praise the Lord. You are not in control. It's the illusion of control. Jesus wants us to give up the illusion of control. Say no to self. How is your self-talk? How's your self-talk? How do you talk to your soul Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? That self-talk will determine the quality of your Christian life. Because some of you are not doing well in how you're talking to your soul. And sometimes you need to tell your soul to be quiet, the old self. And you need to speak truth, the truth of the word of God and the truth of Jesus into your soul. Jesus says you have to deny yourself if, in order to follow him. Secondly, he says you have to take up your cross. People have to take up their cross, which means to raise up or elevate and place on one's shoulder your own death mechanism. In order to follow Christ, you have to take up your cross daily. This is a present, active, continuous verb. You have to do it not just once when you get saved. You have to do it every day. To be a follower of Christ means to take up this cross, which is the death of you. And you have to follow Jesus with this cross on your shoulders every day. Does that sound like fun? No. It's the cost of following Jesus. The Roman cross was the worst invention of death ever made. The cross would suffocate the person hanging on it. You would die of asphyxiation. You would literally stop breathing as you hung on a cross as your lungs Filled with fluid, you would hang there struggling to breathe. And every time you would try to pull yourself up so that you could breathe, the pain in every fiber of your nervous system would scream out to you, don't do that. That's what Jesus went through for us. 
Every moment of his life on that cross was for you and for me. And then he says, oh, by the way, if you want to follow me, take up your own cross. Take up your death sentence. Christians are to walk in this world with a cross on their shoulder, walking with Jesus. Because when we have believed in Jesus, we have set aside the old ways and we have embraced the new ways, which brings a ton of joy, but also a lot of pain. So if you see a Christian who really knows Jesus, are they joyful? Yes, they are. Is it mixed with sorrow? Yeah, big time. Is it mixed up with trials and tribulations that you would not normally have if you were not a follower of Christ? You better believe it. So when Jesus asks us to take up our cross, Galatians 2.20 comes into our minds where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Jesus says, take up your cross. Thirdly, Jesus says, follow him. Follow him, which means to join up with him as rabbi or to follow him as a disciple, follows a master. We are to follow Jesus, which means it's his will, his way, his timing. How many of you like your will, your way, your timing? All hands go up, right? We like our own schedules. Thank you very much. Jesus, do not get in the way of my schedule. Jesus says, I'm Lord, I'm master, you follow me. You deny self, take up cross, follow me, and I will show you how powerful I will work in, as you do that. You ever argue with Jesus? I do. Yesterday afternoon, I was so tired. You guys, I was so tired. And so it was like 3 o'clock. I'd just gotten home. I just want to sleep. You ever been there? I just want to sleep. I want to sleep. 20 minutes? Can I get 20 minutes? 30? Something? Eight hours? I don't know. Something? Can I get something? So I lay down to sleep and can't sleep. I was gone. I hate being old. <laughs> and there's this nagging Jesus. You know, I just like, he is just on me. Like, Jock, you said you're going to do this thing, and you're not doing this thing that you said you're going to do. And I want you to do this thing. I'm like, Lord. I want to sleep. He's like, I don't care. Deny self. Take up cross. Follow me. Get on, get on the path. So I get up. Groggy. Terrible attitude. And fine, I'll do, Jesus, I'll do the thing that you told me to do. I'll do it. So I get up, and I go do the thing Jesus wants me to do. An hour and a half later, you know I'm a man of the streets. I love being on the streets. That was what it was, is neighborhood outreach. I, I told people, and I told Jesus I would do it. So I'm out there, and you guys, oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. God worked. I mean, an hour and a half, God worked. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Hindu, 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 which I love. Unsaved Hispanic family, which I had a conversation in Spanish, you guys. Maestra, be proud of me. I did so good. It's super broken, but I did it. She knew what I was saying. I invited her to church. 
and then save Tanzanian family and then another Hindu family. And I'm like, I love, I love this, right? Not everybody has the same gifts. Everybody does stuff different. Everybody has their own gift for, with, for Jesus, right? But when you're, when you're called to be a steward of the gifts that you have, you know it. You know it. And you got to deny self, take up cross, follow Jesus, his will, his way, his schedule. Do it. Because when you do it, you know what comes? Joy comes. Fruit comes. Amazing stuff comes for the kingdom of God. It's awesome. So this is the call of discipleship. Is it super intimidating and scary? All God's people said amen, right? So scary to think about your death, like your voluntary denial of self and follow cross or take up cross, follow Jesus. That that is super intimidating. But this is our Jesus. And he says, follow me. And then I'm going to show you all of the provisions, all the amazing blessings that come with it. And here's what's going to sustain you. So let's look at the reasons for this call and how he's going to provide for us. Reason number one is this powerful paradox. You're going to be able to walk this costly discipleship road through a powerful paradox. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Or what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose lose or forfeit his soul? So we can only go down this road of discipleship and crucifixion if this paradox is true. Because Jesus is saying that Saving is losing, and losing is saving. He needs, he's got a whole new math. His math is so different than ours. He says, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it, actually, for eternity. And if you lose your life, you'll actually find it for eternity. So here's what's going to sustain us to, to deny self, take up cross, follow Jesus. If People are trying to save their life, 70, 80 years, you know, try to save your life, get all the goody you can get out of this life, be selfish, be, get all your wants, needs, and desires met. If you want that life, you can have it, but Jesus ain't going to be a part of it, and the cost will be your eternal soul. But if you fling your life away, 70 or 80 years that you get for Jesus, and you sacrifice all of it for Christ, you will get heaven. Amen. This is what carries us. Now, make no mistake, everybody wants to save their life. Everybody in this room wants to save their life. Right? A Christian is like not afraid of death. Amen? Right? You're not afraid. But no Christian that I've ever met is like, I'm looking for my death. I want to die today. No. No. Every Christian's like, I'm not looking to die today. But if I do die, I'm ready to meet Jesus. That's good. But everybody's trying to save their life. Everyone is trying to sustain their lives. Now, they do it without Jesus. Money, power, sexual exploration, security systems. Stay alive as long as possible. That is the, the thing, the, the, the um, meaning of life for a lot of people. But you know what? No matter how long you try to sustain your life, you're going to die. Jeff Bezos is trying to stay alive forever. Did you know this? I praise God for Amazon. I love Amazon. Two-day delivery on everything. Prime member right here. Prime member since 2012. Be impressed. Be impressed. I love what Jeff Bezos has built, but here's the deal. I read an article this week. This guy is trying to live eternally. 
without Jesus. I'm dead serious. He's trying to sell regeneration science. And it is a rich man's game. None of us poor people can play this game, by the way. Billions of dollars are being invested to try to regenerate cells so that they can live forever. I got news for you, Jeff. Not that he's going to watch this YouTube ever. So I guess I should speak more confidently, right? I got news for you, Jeff Bezos. You're not living forever. You're going to die. Everybody's going to die. And after this, the judgment of God happens. So if you seek to save your life and just another trip and just another material thing and another thing, no Jesus, and I'm just going to live my best life now and practice the gospel of kindness to everybody and just do all that. No Jesus, though. You're going to die and go to hell. But if you give up your life and you just lay it down for Jesus, delayed gratification is true. You will sacrifice it all now so you can have it then in the presence of God. So saving equals losing, and losing equals saving. And I want to encourage you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, lay it all down. Lay your whole life down in this life so that you can have joy in the life to come. Live your life for Christ. You will never regret it because you will see Jesus, the resurrected King, in heaven, in glory. And you're never going to think for a minute, I shouldn't have given up 2023 the way I did. That was terrible. What a bad investment. Your investment for Jesus now, denial, crucifixion, following Christ, will pay for itself in droves in eternity. And you will never regret it. Not once. So church... That is the powerful paradox of Jesus. This is what fuels us to live a sacrificial life, is to lay it all down because we see what is coming. Christ is coming. Amen? Second coming. Jim Elliott said it this way, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Some of you don't know who Jim Elliott is. He was a young man who died in his early 20s. He was a missionary to the Aka Indians in Ecuador, on fire for God, an amazing wrestler, wrestling fans, an incredible athlete gave it all up to go reach a tribe that didn't know Jesus. He was speared to death on the beaches of Ecuador. And the world would say, that's a tragedy. A young man, an athletic young man, giving up the American way of life to go get speared to death in the middle of nowhere, Ecuador. That's a tragedy. No, it's not. Jim Elliott said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep his life to gain what he cannot lose, heaven. Church, is it scary to walk with Jesus? Yes, it is. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. It's the power of the paradox that carries you through the hardest days. Last point, the pledge promise. What else carries us through to be a disciple of Christ when it's hard? The pledged promise. Verse 26, whoever is ashamed of me and my words... 
of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and his holy angels. Jesus pledges a promise concerning the cost of following him. If you refuse Jesus, he'll refuse you. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus is coming again, church. Did you know this? Hopefully today. Amen? I mean, hopefully today. He's coming back in the clouds with glory. And if you are a disciple of Christ, you are not only in on that, you're excited to see him come. If you're not a real believer, you're like, yeah, whatever. I got my life to live. But if you know Christ as Savior, you are fully expecting Jesus to come through the clouds with great glory. And he will come with the glory of the Father and the glory of the holy angels. This is going to be heaven coming down at a thousand miles an hour. And that is what carries us through our lives right now. We see the second coming of Jesus and we say, yes, Lord, come now. That sustains us through our our darkest trials. And Jesus says, when I come back, there's going to be glory and there's going to be amazing power. And if you are ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you. If you deny me in your life, I'll deny you. And you'll be in hell. Here's the reality. What does it mean to be ashamed of Jesus? Well, it means to abandon him in the midst of an unbelieving culture. To leave him. To forsake him. In the midst of a culture that says, hey, we're tired of Jesus. Stop talking about him. I would say our culture fits that currently. To be ashamed of Jesus would be to deny that you know him. I don't know that man. To be ashamed of Jesus would be to back off of his words and his mission and his character and say, I can't tell you all that. Yeah, I, I, I can believe some of what Jesus says, but not all of what Jesus says. If you're ashamed of Christ, be very careful about where you're going, the direction that you're going. Because you may stay close to him. His second coming is soon. And here's just a couple hot button topics. What has Jesus said? What has Jesus said that our culture struggles with today? Of like, yeah, that's my Jesus. I'll just give you two. There's a lot more than two. I'll just give you two. How about what Jesus said about sexuality and the difference between men and women, gender? I'm going to say something very clearly here. God created them male and female. Who said that? Jesus said that. What are you going to do with that? I mean, our world is telling us as Christians, abandon all of the sexual, traditional, binary, created order of male and female. Just stop it. We're tired of hearing Christians about this male-female distinction. And I'm just telling you, stay close to Jesus. Have some courage, Christians. And I'm talking to myself, too. Have some courage. Stand with Jesus. I'm not standing anywhere else but where Jesus stands. Those are fighting words. I I guess I'm willing to stand on that hill, right? What about marriage and divorce? Matthew 19, 6, Jesus very clearly affirms marriage. And he says divorce is a grievous sin that we should avoid at all costs. Now, he does give a couple exception clauses. Jesus does. But this whole willy-nilly, I'm going to divorce and marry, a divorce and marry for any reason that I see fit, Jesus says, that is not where I'm at. And I'm going to go ahead and stand with Jesus. 
humbly and passionately, I'm going to stand with Jesus. Because Jesus said, I mean, why stand with Jesus? Why do all this? Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, then distance yourself from me. I will distance myself from you. I'm not willing to risk that at the second coming of Jesus. I'm not. And our church isn't. And any Christian who is following Christ, this second coming is going to be so powerful. Revelation chapter 19 talks about Jesus coming back with great power and glory. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is the motivation that gets us through the hard times as Christians. Christ is coming back. Stay close to his words. Do not stray from what he said. Now, can the church learn a few things about love? Yes. We need to lovingly stand with truth. Don't be a jerk about it. Don't offend people unnecessarily. Don't be a loudmouth, arrogant Christian who's just like, this is what the Bible says! Bah! Right? That's not Christianity either. I mean, I think Jesus would pull people aside just like he did the woman at the well in John 4, and they would have a long conversation. So these conversations about sexuality and these conversations about Jesus and marriage and divorce and all the things he said, those are really involved conversations. So stop trying to solve it. And would you please stop posting about, about it on social media? Please. Don't take your moral stand on social media and say all these things that are hateful without talking to real people. Talk to real people. Love them. They, they, they probably just need a conversation. Many of them have never opened a Bible. They have no idea what Christianity even believes. They need someone to tell them. Slow down. Have a conversation. Following Jesus is costly. But Jesus provides joy for the things he asks for. He does it with a powerful paradox and a pledge promise. May God work even now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, for your word. Jesus, it is, it is very costly to follow you. Lord, many of us have lost our lives. We have lost the lives we used to know. We have lost our prestige. We have lost our reputations. We have lost um, lots of things for your sake. So, Lord, I pray that you would encourage the hearts of believers who have sacrificed, believe in you, and follow you. God, would you bless them today? Would you encourage them with comfort to keep going? May you give them the fuel to keep going. And God, I pray for those who don't yet know Jesus, and they're thinking about following him, but this cost, it is a big cost to give up the old self, to give up the old ways, to give up sin, and to repent is a big, big decision. God, would you just give them the grace to make that decision? In Christ, I pray that you would encourage every person who's thinking about Jesus to embrace the love and the forgiveness. But Lord, make no mistake, it comes according to your rules, not ours. So Lord, may we conform our hearts to yours. May we surrender May we be saved. God, keep us going no matter what comes, no matter what trials, tribulations, difficulties. Keep us faithful to you. 
do it all for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand once more, shall we?
Discipleship is costly, and it'll cost us all a lot to follow Jesus in the coming days. But may God give us grace to do it, and the joy and the fuel to keep obeying when it gets hard, okay? May God bless you. The invitation's open. If you want to respond to, to Jesus, you can. You're dismissed. Have a great day.